0: Hi. My name is Rhett Barton, and I'm the lead pastor of One Life Church and I want to thank you for joining us today. At One Life Church, we exist to help you know God, find freedom, discover your purpose and make a difference. For more information on how you can be a part, please visit us online at olc.church. Enjoy the message. All right. Good morning. Good morning. How's everybody doing today? Happy Father's Day to all the dads in the room. Come on, can we give it up for the dads this morning? So awesome to be able to celebrate with you and celebrate you today. Um, so happy to be here. Anybody else feel like going to the beach after that video? I'm like, at least this is better than last week when it was pouring rain. So we're, we're headed, we're trending in the right direction. So it's, it's really, really good. Hey, I want to welcome everybody here, and I also want to welcome everybody who's tuning in online. It is so good to have you from all over the place. I know mom and dad are on. Hi, mom and dad. Uh, they're watching as well. And uh, just so grateful to have you by the power of technology. Come on, can everyone in the Nampa Pacific Center give it up for people online? <laughs> Tell them you love them. Well, we're going to get in today to. Um, some really fun stuff around life together and what the Bible has to say about some of the benefits of life together. So we're going to get to that in just a minute, but I want to make you aware of a couple things is that last week kicked off our summer series of, can't talk, groups. Come on, small groups started last week. And they have been awesome. There are some great ones that are meeting this summer. If you haven't joined one, you can still do that. You can text OLC notes to 94,000. You can check out the website. The What did I say? What did I say? Oh, oh that's later. Do that one later. OLC groups to 94,000. There we go. Guys, I'm new. Just, it's, it's fine. It's fine. Uh, OLC groups, it's also on the website, and you can click there, see all the groups, you can join one. It is not too late. Do it, because life together is way, way better. And, uh, and then as we kind of culminate this season of small groups together, we're going to end in, in July. On July 16th is going to be Serve Day. Come on, give me a for Serve Day. Serve Day is awesome, because it's when we get to go out and be the hands and feet of Jesus in our community. And we think that might be a little bit of a good idea. Yes, okay. So we get to do that. And the way that it works through summer groups is this, is that as your group gets together, you as a group get to dream and process and look to God and look to the idea of how you can serve the community right around you, right? It might look like doing something in your community, in your neighborhood. It might be something that you, you go somewhere and do like a mini local missions trip, you know, whatever it is. Uh, but what, what that, whatever that looks like, but we're gonna have that all on the same day, on July 16th. If you're looking for some idea, You can go to the website, and this image is up there. You can click on that, and there's a bunch of ideas of things that you can do, but get creative. I'm excited to see after the 16th what everyone came up with. It's going to be cool to talk about it. Maybe we'll we'll share it on Sunday here, some of the stuff that we were able to do. Um, So that's groups. That's Serve Day. It is going to be awesome. Now, as we jump in this morning, we are a note-taking church. And I would highly recommend this because not only do you just want to have notes for today, you want to be able to go back through the week and process what God spoke to you today. It's one thing to be in a place and have some great things said and and walk away, oh, so good. What was good? You know, what you said. What did I say? You know, it was great. It's another thing to take that stuff and be able to process it through the week. And be able to let God continue to roll till now you can text OLC notes to 94,000. And that'll come up on your phone. There's some blanks that you can fill in. You can send them to yourself. You can download them. They're great. So do that so we can jump in today. Well, it is Father's Day. And I wanted to just have a little bit of fun here as we kick it off today. Um, Because I just like having fun. Okay. So some things about dads. This is a story about a third grader. When I was in third grade, one evening, I was solving my math homework with my mom. And like any other kid, I wanted to go down and play with my friends instead of dividing complex fractions. Well, my mother refused to let me go down and play and insisted that I should finish my homework first. So with teary eyes, I continued doing my homework. Later, when my mom went to the kitchen to start prepping for dinner, my dad saw me crying and solving math problems. We made a deal that he would finish the rest of my homework so that I could go down and play with my friends. Well, after playtime was over, I came back up and still got a scolding to from my mom. But not because she found out that I made a secret deal with my dad, but because all the math problems were solved incorrectly. (laughs) I guess now I know where I got my bad math skills from. My dad adamantly stated, essential oils are used to fry onion rings, wings, or french fries. All other oils are not essential. <laughs> when I was younger, I was playing softball and told my dad that I was afraid to get hit. He responded with, it's okay, we have insurance. <laughs> One day we went out to eat uh, a Pizza Hut and sat in front of an empty table with some pizza left on it. My dad, being the penny pincher he was, grabbed some and started eating it. A few minutes later, the couple came back asking, where's our pizza? (laughs) And finally, a piece of dad advice. My dad always tells me, don't use your turn signal. It's no one else's business where you're going. (laughs) You know, there are some things that when our dads tell us, they're really good things to remember. (laughs) There are some that... Thanks, Dad. We'll just put that one off to the side. I think the turn signal thing is one of them. You know, I recognize it as we're here celebrating Father's Day that it comes with a bunch of emotion and a variety of emotion. Right? For some of us, we've got incredible earthly dads and that have been great role models for us, who have loved us, who have helped us to grow into who we are today, who we still have strong relationship with, and it's just it's that kind of a relationship. And there's others that every time we get here, it's really hard, because maybe we didn't have a dad growing up. Maybe our dad was absent. Maybe he passed away at a young age. Or maybe our earthly father was abusive. He was, he was hard, he was, he was cruel, he was all of those things. So when we come into a day like this, it's really hard because there's so much of a mix of emotion. Maybe you even were a dad who was expecting a child and the child was lost. And you're trying to process through all that kind of stuff. So there's a lot of, a lot of dynamics that go into this. But what I want us to do for a second is just to remember something. Um, we have a, a heavenly father who's so much better than anything here on earth. Yeah. Amen. He's so much better Amen. than anything here on earth. If you've had an incredible dad, our heavenly father is better. Yeah. If you've had a struggle with your dad and the relationship has been tense filled, we have a father who is perfect yeah. and who loves perfectly. Yeah. And so many of the things that we've experienced with our dads, We can stand back for a second and realize that our Heavenly Father is nothing like anything that is here on earth. Here, just to give you a few things. He's a Father who keeps His promises. How many of you are thankful that our Heavenly Father keeps His promises? That even when other people have failed and other people have let us down and made promises and haven't fulfilled it, He is a promise-keeping God. Everything that he has promised since the beginning of time has either come to fruition and because it has come to fruition, we can believe the promises that are yet to be fulfilled because he keeps his word. He's slow to anger and full of compassion and mercy. He's slow to anger. I don't know about you, but as a dad, I'm not always slow to anger. I'm just not. There are times that I fall short. There are times that I treat my kids and my family in a way that, um, well, it's not good. I'm thankful that our father is slow to anger. And he loves us. He's pleased with you and affirms you. He's pleased with you. He's a father who has nothing but the biggest smile on his face for his kids. And He this is this is a fun one. This is a fun one, but this this should actually give us a lot of hope. He disciplines us because he loves us. Did you know that the Heavenly Father loves you so much that He does not want you to stay where you're at? He wants you to grow. Discipline and punishment are different. Our Heavenly Father disciplines us because He wants us to grow and to learn how to be mature in Him. Discipline has a point because he wants us to grow. He disciplines those he loves. And finally, this, I love this, he's adopted us as sons and daughters. He's adopted every single one of us here. He, he's adopted us. He calls us his kids. How many think that that's just kind of cool? That's so cool, the fact that that's what he does with us. That's the way he looks at us. So we have an incredible heavenly father who we get to celebrate today. And this heavenly father has some pretty incredible gifts for his kids. Uh, Matthew 7 says this in verse 11. If you then, being earthly fathers who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more? Will your heavenly father give good things to those who ask him? Our heavenly father has some incredible things to pour out on his kids some blessings, some gifts, some things that we don't even know about yet and can't even imagine, comprehend, or even possibly think what he has for us. And so, as we remember this, we can then think about this life together for a second right? So some are together, this idea of doing life together. And we can believe that because God is a good father who loves us and loves to bless and loves to gift, that in his creation of the way he designed everything, which we talked about last week, that in his creation of doing life together, the dynamic of doing life together, you better believe that it is a blessing. And because of that, there's some incredible benefits that come when we live with one another and we have life with one another our father has given us this incredible thing that we get the amazing opportunity and privilege of being able to live out and walk out and seeing what god does now last week i was extremely ambitious and uh if you're following along in your notes you realize we would have been here till today you know and then just start over um So, you know, there you go. And I said that this week I was going to give you the rest of what I didn't give you last week. But as I was praying this week and as I was just spending time with the Lord and thinking through, I really felt the Holy Spirit just say, slow down. Like, don't be in a hurry. Like, it's not that you have to have a fire hose and get all of them today and then you walk away going, what was that? (laughs) Slow down. Take it, take it a little bit at a time. Over the, the summer, Ellie and I are going to share a little bit. I'm going to share. We're going to talk about some of these benefits that come in a life lived together, in, a, in, a, in a, an opportunity for us to live together in a relationship. So we're going to do that over these next couple of weeks, okay? Today, I want to talk about one of them. Everyone breathe a sigh of relief. <laughs> I want to talk about one of them, and it's one that I really think just is, is so vital to us as believers and for one another. Just as a bit of recap, last week I gave you the first one, which is the rece- one of the benefits of living in a relationship is receiving and giving love, right? So we talked about this, right? And we talked about how the Father loves us. And because of that, we can then churn and share that love with other people, This is a really, I'm not going to preach this again, but I do want to give you just a couple of thoughts when it comes to this point. This is a really, really simple thought to be able to grasp. It's totally different to be able to live out, right? Because it's a challenge for us to actually receive love when we think that we don't deserve it. Anybody ever been in that place before? Because of the stuff I've done, I don't deserve love. I don't deserve the love of the Father. But yet it's given, freely to you because the Father loves you unconditionally. But it's also another thing that if we can get to the point of actually being able to receive love the challenge is then being able to extend that love to the people that we don't think deserve it. Even if we never say that there are people that we're like "Eh, I don't know if I can love them. They're really hard to love. Well if we have been loved much, then we also ought to love much. Yeah, right. And this is what the Holy Spirit does to be able to help us. Now, I would say this, that just, and then I'm, I'm going to go on, but I would say this, that when it comes to receiving and giving of love, one of the best things that we can do as followers of Christ is on a daily basis begin by asking God to give us a revelation of his love towards us. I don't know about you, but I find that, like, I need that on a daily basis reminder. Any, any, anybody else with me? Where, where you have to start your day going, okay, God, remind me again. Am I your kid? Do, you say you have unconditional love. Is this, is this still a thing? Right? You have to remind yourself and then what you do is as you ask God to come and as you ask the Holy Spirit to remind you of his love, you allow him to come and bring his love to counter any of the lies that we believe about ourselves and any of the lies that we believe about one another. Because what happens is the enemy is constantly putting things in our ears like all the time, he's constantly talking to us. And if we're not really careful and we don't come back to this place of asking God to renew our minds and to speak his perspective over us, we start listening to the enemy and then the lies are louder than the voice of the enemy about ourselves and who we are not, even though we think we are, and then who each other are. And therefore, what happens is then this, this, this benefit, this gift that God has given to us as a body of Christ gets destroyed and together becomes this thing that's really hard because there's all these lies that the enemy has been sowing in to God's people. An amazing practice for us to do is to start the day and say, God, remind me of your love. Counter the lies of the enemy. And then, would, would you change the way I think? By the power of the Holy Spirit, I, I naturally think this way, God, would you, would you help me to, to, to think different about you, about who I am, about, about who my brothers and sisters in Christ are? Yeah. Would you help me to be able to do that? And here's what's gonna happen is as we do that, things are gonna change. Because you know what happens? When we ask for something of the father, remember the father who loves his kids, he's gonna give it. Yeah. Yeah. You need to be reminded of his love He's going to give it. You need to be reminded of the fact that you're still in right standing with him because of Jesus. He's going to remind you. You you need to remember that even even those people who we're in relationship with that are less than perfect, just like we are less than perfect, we need to be reminded to be able to extend that love to them. He's going to help you. And so for us, we cannot go through this idea of receiving and giving love without the Holy Spirit's work in our life. We need it. We can't power through enough. There's no way for us to just think right enough. The only thing that combats the lies of the enemy is the Holy Spirit, and he uses the word, the power of the word, a lot. Why do we memorize scripture? Not so that we can get wanna's badges, I mean, that's a nice benefit. It's an amazing benefit. We memorize it so that the Holy Spirit, when it's in us, and we ask the Holy Spirit and say, Holy Spirit, I'm having a really hard time right now. There's a lie that is swirling around in my head and I cannot get rid of it. Holy Spirit goes, okay, cool. I'm gonna take scripture that you've ingested and memorized and put into your system, and I'm now gonna bring that up to combat the enemy. The Holy Spirit doesn't just use your thoughts to combat the enemy. Thank the Lord he uses the word of God in you to combat the enemy. Yes. So if you're in a place of, of struggling in this place of receiving love, of giving love, of being able to be the hands and feet of Jesus, begin your day just with that simple prayer. Father, would you just speak to me and remind me of your love and show me where I've gotten off. Yeah. Show me where I've gotten off. Now, the, the scary thing about that <clears throat> is when you do that, he will. He will. And sometimes there might be things where he would lead you to a point of reconciliation with one another. He will do this. Yeah. Okay, so, so you, you want to know where there's been a place where you've had a hard time loving one another. Okay, here, here it is. And what I want you to do is now go to that person, forgive, pour out forgiveness onto them, pour out love onto them because there's reconciliation happen, And then we're left going, Was that, was that God? (laughs) But he always is for reconciliation. He's always for his body to be better together. Amen? Amen. Okay, that's number one. I want to go on to number two today. Encouragement, encouragement. Um, Encouragement is, I think, one of the most beautiful gifts that we have to give one another. I, I, I really do. And, and what I'm talking about is not like just shallow, boy, you're just awesome, you're the, you're the best. It's encouragement that's actually rooted in an understanding of one another where we've taken the time to be able to actually learn one another, to know each other, and then to be able to encourage specifically into that place. Encouragement is not general. It's it's, it's not. If you look all the way through the Pauline epistles, which are the letters that Paul wrote to the churches, he encourages the churches. But if you line these up, there are some similarities to all of them. Why? Because he's encouraging their faith and their love and their hope and all of this kind of stuff. But there are specifics for each one of them. And he encourages each church specifically because of what they're doing, because the context of what they live in, their culture, and he speaks directly into their world. Encouragement, as we do life together, we get to bring this gift of encouragement that has a specific honed in purpose to it and to be able to lift people up together. Um, you You can tell the level of this by this, bless you, by the specifics, bless you. You know, I just want to encourage you in the Lord right now that uh, you can breathe. Um, uh, But we, this is, you can tell, you can tell when a body of Christ actually gets this because their encouragement to one another is rooted in something deeper than shallow hay. And I want to say this, you are a church that encourages. Yes, true. The words that I've, when I've talked in relationship with those of you who I've had the privilege of meeting so far, um, the encouragement that you have, the specific encouragement for one another is incredible. Yeah. And that's how you know that the spirit of God is active in a place because it has specific calling to it. Okay, I wanna read a passage of scripture here as we jump into encouragement and then pull some, some uh, principles here. And then hopefully land the plane and get you guys all the blanks in your notes. 1 Thessalonians 5. 1 Thessalonians 5. Paul is uh, writing here to the church in Thessalonica. (laughs) There you go. There's your Bible college class for the day. And uh, and he wants to encourage and admonish them. And he's going to address a few things in their culture. And this is why I'm going to read this passage, these few verses. Because... um, Even though the church in Thessalonica was back in, it's the New Testament church, you know, way, 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 way back, um, the same things apply to us today. So I want to give you a little bit of context to help you understand here. Uh, Verse 1, now concerning how and when all this will happen, what is this? It's the return of Christ. It's the the fulfillment of what Jesus is going to do. Um, Dear brothers and sisters, we don't really need to write to you for... You know quite well that the day of the Lord's return will come unexpectedly like a thief in the night. When people are saying everything is peaceful and, and, and secure, then disaster will fall on them as sudden as a pregnant woman's labor pains begin, and there will be no escape. Verse four, but you aren't in the dark about these things. Dear brothers and sisters, and you won't be surprised when the day of the Lord comes like a thief, for you are all children of the light and children of the day. We don't belong to darkness and night. So be on guard, not asleep, like the others. Stay alert and be clear-headed. Night is the time when people sleep and drinkers get drunk. But let us who live in the light be clear-headed, protected by the armor of faith and love, and wearing as our helmet the confidence of our salvation. For God chose to save us through our Lord Jesus Christ, not to pour out his anger on us. Christ died for us so that whether we are dead or alive, when he returns, we can live with him forever. And so, so and then the, uh, I'll go into verse 11 here in a second. We see here that the days in this church in, in Thessalonica were really dark. There, there was a lot of stuff going on in the church. And Paul was writing to encourage them in some very specific ways, and I think these tie in to what we're looking at today. And they're these. That the return of Jesus is closer than it's ever been. And the church needs to be alert of that. Yes. I, I heard Pastor Rett say it, that Jesus could come back now. Yes. Or, or now. Or, or now. I'm gonna do this for the rest of the time. Or now. <laughs> Or now, now, or he could come back in 10 years. But his return, this is is logical, his return is closer than it ever has been. And so he encourages a church to say, listen, keep this in mind. Don't lose sight of the fact that the second coming is coming. Do not lose sight about as messed up as our world gets, it's gonna get better. Yeah. As hard as it is to have hope, it's gonna get better. Yeah. He's telling the church, don't forget, he's coming back. Yeah. He's coming back. Yeah. Number two, he's addressing carelessness and ignorance. And in this culture that's going on, that was actually leading to, to a brashness, to a lack of self control. So, sounds kind of familiar. A carelessness, an ignorance to life. Saying whatever you want to say if that's what you think you need to say. We see riots and we see people that are at each other's throats. So much of it is built out of a lot of carelessness and lack of self control. There's a culture that acts out of impulse rather than understanding and wisdom. This was the culture that Paul was writing to. It's the same culture that we're, that we're in today. Yeah. We, we, I think we would all agree that our culture is a culture that, for the most part, acts on impulse. Yeah. Whatever makes me feel good, I'm going to do it. Whatever I feel like I need to say in the moment, I'm going to say. And I'm validated because those are my thoughts. Paul's saying, listen, listen, you need to be careful. If you're going to share, be clear-minded. Use self-control. Be a church that is in culture and affects culture without adding to the chaos of culture. There's a big difference between me getting on my Facebook page, I'm going to go for it, me getting on my Facebook page and saying whatever I want to say because it's what I think, And making sure that what I put out is rooted in this so that it cannot be argued. So he's addressing this in the third thing. There's three fingers. He's addressing a culture where faith has been lost. One of the big movements right now, you've probably heard of it if you're on social media at all or the news, is people whose faith is being deconstructed. It's this buzzword right now deconstructing my faith. I've come to this place where everything I've known is like, I just, I can't do it. And so I'm deconstructing my faith to get back to some sort of a basis of what I believe. The, part, the problem with that is that in a deconstructing of faith, many times the tenets and the roots of faith are also deconstructed. And so Paul is addressing a church where their faith has been lost, where their love is redefined. We live in a, in a world right now where people throw that word out, that love, that little four-letter word, and it has all kinds of meanings to it and is used as a, a blanket statement over anything. It's been redefined. And where hope has been crippled. This is is the culture, faith is lost, love is redefined, and hope is crippled. This is is who Paul was talking to. And it's also our culture today. It's no different. President Biden wasn't president back when Paul was writing. They hadn't just walked through COVID. There, there, There wasn't a war between Russia and Ukraine. The details are different, but the whole thing is the same. This is why the Bible is so cool because when we look back, we can understand that nothing is new. The details change, but all of the things that were written in here are the same things that we can use for our life today. So Paul's addressing this culture. He's addressing everything going on in this place. And then he gets to verse 11 and he says this in verse 11. So encourage each other and build each other up just as you already have been doing. Encourage one another. Why? Because you need it. In this world that we live in, we need to be encouraged. And we need to be the vehicle that encourages one another. We have to be the people that stand up when everything else is tearing down. The word encourage, one of the meanings of this, of this Greek word here, means to actually provide Food, provide nourishment. When we encourage one another as the body of Christ, we are actually providing nourishment to one another. You get, you get so disencouraged and, and torn down and, and, and life just throws everything at you. What do you need? You need the body of Christ to encourage, to feed one another. This is what we get to do and how we treat and how we interact with one another. The term to build each other up has the meaning of giving courage, giving courage. When we encourage one another, we are actually giving courage to one another to get back out there and to live for Christ, to follow him, to be an example, to be his hands and feet. We get to encourage people to step into what God has for them to take a step of their faith, to, take, to, to, to stand up against the lies of the enemy that he's spoken over them, to tear down the strongholds that have been held over people. It's to actually have courage to say, I can live in the authority that I have been given in Christ. This is, this is the thing that we get to do. We, we don't think about this enough. We underestimate this enough and minimize it so many times. The fact that we actually carry the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit, the very anointing spirit of Christ in us to be able to tear down strongholds, to defeat lies. Now, that's pretty cool. It gives you kind of a different perspective about your week. When you leave here going, I am going to go out and make it my goal to give people food, nourishment, and to give people courage, to face what's going on out here. Okay, next in your notes. Words have power to give life or death. Words have power to give life or death. Encouragement brings life. And we also know what brings death proverbs 18 says this the death and life are in the power of the tongue um, th- this this is trippy but it's it's so true our words have have power um, creation power is in them yeah. when we encourage one another we actually are bringing life to one another there was, a, there was a, an experiment that was done. This was a while ago. 30 days, you can put this up. Um, 30 days. Of They took two plants. Maybe you've heard about this. Maybe you haven't. Two identical plants in identical atmospheres. Watered the same, fed the same what? Oh, okay. Watered the same everything. The only difference is one was yelled at. And bullied for 30 days. And the other one was encouraged and complimented for 30 days. A plant! Now, you tell me that our words don't have power? It causes you to really think twice about what you're gonna say. It's no joke. It's no joke. Death and life, you get to choose. What are your words going to bring? Well, I know my words don't always bring life. Anybody else want to raise your hand and join me? (laughs) I know that there are times when my words bring death. But what I'm so thankful for is the grace of God to come and wash over that. And when we repent... And when we come to the Lord, there's a cleanness that comes. There's a, there's a health that comes that we are then able to turn around and speak words of life into one another. Yep. Yeah. Just a thought for you to take away here is that God created with words. He didn't do anything with his hands until Adam. It was all words. Yep. Genesis 1, 3. Then God said, yep. let there be light. And there was light. Said. When Jesus left earth, what did he say? Greater works than these will you do as my followers. Does that mean that I can create a universe with my words? No, that was already done. But it does mean that the power of God rests in you to create life into one another. Pretty neat, pretty neat. Okay, now with all of this then, we have to believe that if encouragement is such a vital part of the community and life together, you better believe that the enemy does not like it and uses massive amounts of discouragement. Yes, I put massive amounts of discouragement in your notes. Everywhere you look, there's discouragement. Everywhere you look, there's an opportunity for discouragement. You turn on the news, discouragement. You jump on social media, discouragement. I mean, everywhere. Why? Because the enemy knows, the devil knows the power of words. He knows that if God's people would actually wrap their heads around the fact that we can speak life into one another, then he is in a really bad place. So what does he do? He uses discouragement. Everything, everywhere, every place you look is all of this discouragement. John 10.10. We know this verse. It says that the thief's purpose is to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And then Jesus saying, my purpose is to give them rich and satisfying life. I I would say this, that that right now, um, in in the culture that we live in, in the world that we live in, the majority of things that are taking place, and and you got to believe that, that the enemy is working overtime and all this. The majority of things are created and fashioned to bring discouragement. Yeah. You, you, you have to believe it. And that is why this is so important. Yeah. That's why we can't do life without this. Yeah. There's, there, there's just no way. So we have to be careful of what voices we're listening to. We have to be careful that we're, that we're constantly taking every thought captive, and we're submitting it to the word of God. And we're, and we're seeing and we're gauging what, what's taking place. And when we realize that we bought into the lies, we realize that we bought into discouragement, we have to take those back and we have to repent. And one of the meanings of the word repentance, this is really cool, it's not just turn from your sins, Um, Metanoia is one of the Greek words for the word repentance. and It actually means to change the way you think about the way you think. So what we do is we take every thought captive and we say, God, help me to know if this is a thought from you or not. And help me to change the way I think about the way I think about the world, about culture, about the attack of the enemy, about everything that's going on so that I can have the heavenly perspective and not an earthly perspective. Because when we have a heavenly perspective, it's very different. It's not, and, and heavenly perspective does not just mean I'm on this side rather than this side. That's not a heavenly perspective. There's so many cultural wars and division that are taking place, even within the church. Republican, Democrat, like all that kind of stuff, conservative, liberal, like, and we get to this place where we're all, either one on the other side, you gotta pick, no, 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 no. The kingdom of heaven, the perspective of the kingdom of heaven is entirely different than the world. Yes. And so for us, we have to actually back up and say before I just jump into a war and pick a side, I gotta look at it and say, what's the kingdom perspective? God, your kingdom come, your will be done. Let me have some metanoia, change the way I think about the way I think and start moving forward in that. So how do you encourage? I'm gonna give these to you and then we're gonna get ready to to conclude. I'm gonna get through all my notes, guys. (laughs) How do we encourage? Number one, fill yourself with the word and pursue a lifestyle of prayer. You have to fill yourself with the word. You have to spend more time in prayer than just a, hey, good morning, God, it's so great to see you. You can only give what you've received. The best encouragement is scripture. It's better than anything that you can come up with on your own. Just saying. Number two is this, listen. In order to be someone who truly encourages one another, we have to first listen. Understand before being understood. You can attempt to encourage, but if you're totally off, it isn't actually encouragement. They don't even know me. We have to listen. We have to be able to encourage. To be able to encourage, we have to be able to speak specifically to where somebody is at. The third one which is tied to it is to empathize. Empathize. To put yourself in the shoes of the person you're wanting to encourage. This requires a lot of thoughtful questions and humility to put my own stuff aside to be able to actually understand where you are. And then finally, speak out. Speak out, speak encouragement. Yeah, I was having coffee with somebody, and it was just it was great, and you know, we we hung out, and man, I'm just so encouraged by them. Like their, their spirit. Well, did you tell them? Well, no. Tell them. Yeah. You have the spirit of God resting inside of you. Yeah. Use it to bring encouragement to one another. Finally, as we close here, I want to give you some encouragement to take with you. Okay? Some encouragement. Just for you as a church, for us. As a people of God in relationship. There, there we go. I hate it when that happens. Romans 831. What then are we to say about these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Yes. Philippians 1, 6. I'm sure of this that he who started a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Philippians 4, don't worry about anything, but in everything through prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. 1 John 4, you are from God, little children, and you have conquered them, because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. John 16, 33, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. You will have suffering in this world, but be courageous. I have conquered the world. Matthew 11, come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take up my yoke and learn from me because I'm lowly and humble of heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And finally... The Lord is my shepherd. I have what I need. He lets me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He renews my life. He leads me along the right path for his name's sake. Even when I grow through the darkest valley, I fear no danger for you're with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Only goodness and faithful love will pursue me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord as long as I live. There's some encouragement for you to take. Let that just build into your spirit you're in this place today as we get ready to conclude, and you have been bogged down with discouragement, depression, anxiety, fear, and you have just been, the enemy has been having a heyday in your mind. I want to pray for you today, and I want to pray the encouragement of the Holy Spirit to be upon your life. That there is freedom from the lies of the enemy. And if you're here today too, and you realize that, yeah, I've, I've listened to the world, and, and I, I don't have that relationship with God where I can, I can hear the affirmation and the encouragement of the Father. All that's in me is the lies of the enemy and the discouragement, And I I want to start that relationship with God today. If you're here and you want to begin a relationship with Jesus, where the encouragement of the Holy Spirit comes to remove discouragement, remove depression, remove lies, remove fear from your life, and you want to begin that, I want to give you an opportunity to pray that, whether you're in the room or online. So I'm going to do this. I'm I'm going to lead you in a prayer. I want you to repeat after me. We're all going to pray together because that's what families do. And then I want to pray a blessing over you today as we conclude. So pray this with me. Jesus, I come to you. And I realize I've been doing life on my own. And I've been trying hard. And today, I come, I surrender everyone, everything I am to you. And I accept your love thank you for forgiving my sins. Thank you for washing me and making me clean. Thank you for removing all discouragement, all fear from my life. I turn to you today. Amen. Let me pray a quick prayer. Jesus, I pray over those who have been wrestling with discouragement, who have wrestled with depression, who have wrestled with anxiety that this world throws at full force. God, I pray a breaking off in the name of Jesus over God's people. Enemy, you have no more power. And so I pray that the encouragement of the Holy Spirit would come today to rest upon your people, Father, God, where we have gotten our lies, they've been messing with our heads, where we have listened to the discouragement and culture in the world, Father, I pray a breaking off and freedom in the name of Jesus over your people. I pray for a freedom to rest in who we are and who you are. Let every person in this place walk away today with the encouragement of the spirit inside of them to carry them on in the mighty name of Jesus. Now, if you prayed that prayer this morning for the very first time, I just want to say, come on, welcome to the family. Welcome to the family. Come on, can we put our hands together for those that prayed that prayer for the first time today?